We've been talking about keys to developing sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide, right? The Holy Spirit is to lead us and guide us into all the truth. He is to lead you and he is to guide you in even the minor things of your life. He is your guide. You know, when I've been to Israel, we had a tour guide. And this guy knew everything about every place we had ever, would ever go. They have to do extensive study. And, they, and how they study is they go to all these sites. They study all the history. They have been everywhere that they're taking us. And when we were in Israel or when we were in Greece or Turkey or on the island of Patmos, literally that guide never left us. And our guide never leaves us. He, he literally will prepare you for every moment of your life. And it's a true guide. The reason why people are running around going, I don't know the voice of God, I'm confused, I don't know how to hear from him, but boy, I really need to. Listen, the reason why that is, is they're just not sensitive. And if you take a test of sensitivity you very quickly can see why. Well, I've been in the Word about three minutes this week. Come on. Right? I've spent about 45 seconds in prayer. Good right? And, and I'm up to here with all of my circumstances. But I wonder why I can't hear the voice of God. Oh, he's talking. He's leading. He's guiding. We're just not sensitive. So these keys to sensitivity are incredible. They're so necessary. The Holy Spirit will talk to you about everything in your life. He'll talk to you about everything. Little things, big things, present things that you're facing, things that you're going to go into in the future, what you're going to face in the future. He'll talk to you about what, what the plan and the purpose of God is for your life. It's wonderful. But he, he will not force himself on anyone. It, it's literally our choice what thoughts we, we allow in our mind. It's our choice what we decide to speak and say. It's our choice whether or not we feel correctly or whether we let him twist our feelings or our emotions. So, so it's our choice tonight. That's good news. That's ultimate news. Satan cannot mess you up. You have to say, okay, I'm going to let you mess me up. Right? So we've talked about this. So we talked about very important to live your life completely yielded to him. I'm, I'm always yielded to him. In, in other words, I'm always giving him my undivided attention. And it's not coming through the filter of, well, I think that I'll do this, but I'm not willing to do this. No, no, it, I, I, I live my life yielded. Whatever you want for me, 
I will yield to you. And right along with that, right in there, is living your life being open to him. Being yielded and being open means whatever you want me to do, I'm willing. Anything. If you want me to lay something down, I'll lay it down. If you want me to pick something up, I'll pick it up. Doesn't matter what it is. We have so many believers because they're not yielded and they're not open, they become very dull spiritually. And when you're saying no to the Holy Spirit, what starts happening to you is you start living out of your flesh. You become more aware of natural things. And when you become really aware of natural things, that is where you walk in the door of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It ignites your flesh and it'll take you all over the place, places you don't want to go. I like what Lester Summerall said. He said, sin will take you further than you ever want to go. It will keep you longer than you ever want to stay and it will cost you more than you'll ever want to pay. And all of us who have walked in that are like, oh man, right? I'm not going to testify of that. I've been freed from it, thank God, but I've, I've experienced that. But this is where it all starts. And then last week we talked about having living our life with a clear conscience. So I'm yielded to him. I'm open to doing whatever he wants me to do. Right? And, and here's the thing. God does everything by delegated authority. We don't talk about it much, but the key to freedom in Christ is submission. And submission is not agreement. Right? This Saturday, we're going to have a men's Bible study. And Pastor Edwin and I many times will go out to breakfast after that. And if I ever ask him, hey, you want to go to breakfast? He doesn't submit to me. That's agreement. Yeah, I'm hungry. Let's do it. Right? But submission is where you don't want to do what you're asked to do but you do it because the authority is asking you to do it. So that, that blows away a lot of Christians. Why? Because they're flesh ruled. Don't tell me what to do. That's right? right? The world. So, so this is huge that we submit to his authority. That's what being yielded and being open. Now the good news is, guess what? He's not a tyrant. To be honest with you, he'll never force you to do anything. He'll be like, Pastor Mark, I want, you to, I want you to go here and do this. And if the response is not yes, yes, sir, then he'll just, he'll just wait, right? Have you ever missed it? And, and it's, it's not because you're really missing it because you don't know. Oh, you know what you're supposed to do but you don't really want to do it. A clear conscience to sum it up, and I would encourage you, go back and listen to these, these, these messages again because we need to disciple others in this. This stuff is not taught. I've literally never sat and listened to a series on how to be real sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But yet the Holy Spirit talks to me about that all the time. Right? Tony? 
you're talking too much. I just want you to listen. I'm praying. And he's like, okay, okay, my turn. Yeah. Right? And then when he says my turn, so I'd be, I'm quiet, and this is what you hear. We've only been doing this for three seconds. Doesn't it seem longer? But what's, what's he doing? He's just helping me. Because the minute you're quiet and you're like, okay, what are you going to say? You're going to say something? What? Tell me. And he's just like, just, just relax. So you could sort through all the junk and then you just get your eyes on me and then he just moves you in a direction. At rest and at peace. Sometimes he's just teaching you how to be at peace. He wants you to have a clear conscience where you live your life with no inner turmoil, where nothing is bothering you. So many Christians, things just bother them. Smith Wigglesworth tells a story about a lady who was going, I think, to get on a bus, if I'm remembering the story right. But this dog, her dog, she, she, she walked down and she's telling her dog to go, okay, go home. Go home, go home. And the dog's just not moving. And finally, she's like, go home. And the dog takes off. And Smith Wigglesworth goes, you know, that's the way you need to treat the devil. Terry Law is a, is a minister that we want to have here. He's just an incredible minister along the lines of uh, uh, the authority of the believer. It's just amazing. He was on the mission field for years. And when he, when he first met T.L. Osborne, he was a young missionary. And T.L. walked up to him and says, oh, I know who you are. He goes, man, you know how to stay until the devil leaves. And Terry's like, he didn't even know he knew him. But that's what you got to do. Having done all to stand, you stand. Satan, I bind you. Do you ever notice when you bind the enemy, sometimes he doesn't leave right away? Fear, go. Satan, get out of here. And he's just, nothing changes. What's he doing? He's like, well, that believer quoted a scripture, but I wonder if that word is really dwelling richly in them in all wisdom or if they just can quote a scripture. And he'll test that to see. But I'm telling you, if you stand in submission to the Lord and you stand resisting him, he will flee from you because he wants nothing to do with God. Right? He's already got a lump on his head from that one when he got kicked out of heaven. So living with a clear conscience so now a fourth piece that literally is a key that will open up and help you walk in the peace of God. It'll help you walk steadfastly for the Lord. It'll, it'll help you walk in the joy of the Lord. These are other things that you, have, that you walk in that make you very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But here is the catalyst for all of those. You must renew your mind with the word of God. Because you have, to, you have to wean yourself off of detrimental thought processes. 
You've got to allow the word of God to go into your unrenewed mind and uproot all those thought patterns that are not in line with the word of God. Here's the big one in all of our lives. And it's so, it's so big, but many don't see it. And it's this thought process that I really wonder if the word of God is going to work for me. And, and us as word of faith people go, oh, that's just, that's baloney. No, that's not. No, 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 that's a big one. Yeah. Because when you're in a battle, you need to know the word is true. We sang every song tonight was about how God will never let you down. That he's always good that he's always with you. We sing these songs all the time. And it's so true. From Genesis to maps, God says, I never change. I'm not a man that I should lie. I'm not the son of man that I should repent. If I said it, I'll do it. If I spoke it, I will bring it to pass. You can stand and rely on that. If he says, by my stripes, you were healed, then you're healed. If he says, I'll meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory, and it'll come to you through my son, who is the word of God, then that's true. If he says, you will live long on the earth and declare my works that you'll not die but live, that's what's going to happen. But see, see, that's his witness Satan's over here saying, no, 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 none of that's right. We need a second witness in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Well, you are the witness. So are you going to side with the, what the enemy's saying or are you going to side with what God's saying, right? So let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, renewing our mind. Look at what this says. Now, right now, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, He's going to quote Isaiah 64.4. Paul, in so many of his writings, he quoted Old Testament scriptures. But he said this, But as it is written, eye hath not seen, ear nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart. This is the word cardia, the Greek word cardia. It's a feminine noun. It literally means the seat of the desires of the feelings, of the affections, of the passions. It's talking about the mind. You could accurately read this. Neither have entered into the mind of man the things which God hath, past tense, prepared for them. This is talking about God's plan for our lives. For them that love him. See, The unseen spirit realm is more real than this physical realm. The Bible says everything that we see was made from things we can't see, the word of God, right? So verse 10, but God, so your eye can't see it, right? Your ear can't hear it. It's not entered into your mind, his plan for your life. But it says in verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. In other words, God hath revealed his plan to us by his spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the revealer. God comes up with the plan. Jesus carries out the plan. The Holy Spirit reveals the plan. It's the way the Godhead has always worked. 
It's, it's, it's literally all through the Bible. But God hath revealed them to us by his spirit. Why? For the, or how? For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. This is talking about for us as a three-part being. I am a spirit. I possess a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. And I live in a physical body. I know God on the inside. God writes his word on our hearts as we walk with him. Does that make sense? He literally writes. And what is the pen that he uses to write with? It's our tongue. Our tongue is the pen of a ready writer. As you meditate in the word and say it over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit will etch that on your spirit. It'll, he, and then he'll open that word to you and it will come out of your spirit. Your spirit will translate that into a thought and it will go into your mind and it will start renewing your mind. The word of God, literally, James tells us, when we implant the word in our hearts, it brings salvation, healing, and wholeness to our mind, our will, and our emotions. It will heal them. Many people have been emotionally abused and wounded and Satan has used circumstances and people to twist emotions, to twist feelings, to twist the person's will, right? To, to warp their mind with toxic thought processes and the word of God will straighten it all out. I love that. It says here in verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit knows everything about God. He is God. And He is here to show us. See, this is why you can't, you can't know God unless you're born again, because that old spirit man that's spiritually dead has to be removed because the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in a spirit that's dead. Light has no fellowship with darkness. So the Holy Spirit puts a brand new spirit in us. We're a brand new person. And then he takes residency up in us because eternal Zoe life is knowing God the Father and his Son. Well, how do we know him? We know God on the inside. You're going to know God's path for your life on the inside. So it says in verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world. We, now I know that seems so simple. But this is why we do not fear. Because we don't have a spirit of fear. We do not have the spirit of the world. This is why you are, you are literally wired to walk in the faith of God and in the love of God, in the strength of God, to be led by the Spirit of God. That's, that's who you are. Because we've not received the Spirit of the world, but we, but we have received the Spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. 
There's no way we can know the things that have been freely given to us by God unless the Holy Spirit reveal them. Do you know that literally some of the things when we preach on faith, do you know that that's mocked actually in a lot of circles? Oh, that faith stuff. That faith stuff, that's the only way you can lay hold of what's been freely given to you by God. It's the only way you can please God, right? This is huge. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all the things that God has already past tense given you. So do we need the Holy Spirit? Man, there's churches, well, you know, we just, now we just don't allow, we're not gonna teach on the Holy Spirit. We, now we, 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 we wanna honor him and we've got a little back closet away from everybody. No, 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 no. No, the Holy Spirit's place is here. It's, it's, it's here. It's everywhere. Because we utterly rely on him. Because as you walk throughout your day, you got to know what God's given you. We can't even see it. We can't even hear it. We can't, it's not even entered our mind. And some of these things, they make no sense in the natural. What do you mean I live in an eternal jubilee? We literally have been given an eternal jubilee. That means debt cancellation. All debts canceled. Everything returned back to where it was originally. We're like, what? Yeah, well, of course you'd say what? Because you can't see that. But the Holy Spirit will show you. Right? Verse 13. Which things also we speak? What things do we speak? The things that have been freely given to us by God. Do you notice in our church, I'm always talking about that. Right? We talk about that God saved us. He redeemed us. He took us out of the delegated influence of darkness. He put us into the kingdom of God. We have an inheritance that's incorruptible, that does not fade away. You can't mess it up. It's in heaven for you. We talk about that all the time. You are not to come in second. You are to be the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. You are never to decrease or diminish or lack. We are to always increase. This is who we are in him. So we speak these things, but how do we speak them? Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. But, oh, which the Holy Ghost teaches. So I'm up here, this is, this is my life. I'm up here teaching you. I'm up here along for the ride. Because unless the Holy Spirit teaches us, nobody's learning anything. But when you understand how good he is, that he takes Tony Finley and he'll, you take me and then you add the Holy Spirit and guess what you have? Jesus. Right? You take Lisa and you add the Holy Spirit and what do you have? Jesus. Put your name in there. It's the way it is. 
but which the Holy Ghost teaches, what do we do? We compare spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, you and I cannot know God through our natural reasoning. So don't, don't compare your MRI to Isaiah 53. Don't compare your blood panel to what this says. No, 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 no. You compare, you compare what Jesus did to what Jesus did and everything else bows to it. Anything Satan can do in my life is nothing compared to what God has done in my life. So now what comes out of his word, as I renew my mind with his word, the wisdom of God comes out of his word. It gives me the ability to perceive in my situation what is really going on. Don't you have to know what's really going on in your life? See, people will get sick and they will think what's really going on is they're hurting, they're not feeling good, and they could even possibly die, but that's not really what's going on. What's really going on is Satan's trying to stop the plan of God in a life and hopefully use that life to be an example to multiple other lives that Jesus, his word is not true. People who get in financial trouble think that what's really going on is I don't have enough money, I don't make enough to do these, to do what I need to do, but that's not really what's going on. The enemy is trying to stop the plan of God and show the world that Jesus is not true. That's what's always going on. Wisdom gives you the ability to see things as they really are. Not as they seem. It may seem that you are not successful. But that's not who you really are. Do you know there's not one person in here that's not prosperous? There's not one. There's actually not one failure in here. There's only victorious people in here. But Satan will, he'll just He'll throw thoughts and, and try to bring to your remembrance natural mistakes you've made and where you are. He'll show you a picture. Look at what you're living in. Look at, you open the refrigerator and there's nothing there and it says lack. And that's when you got to respond to that and say, no, the Lord's my shepherd. I do not lack. I call this refrigerator full. In the name of Jesus. Wisdom flows out of the word of God that you allow to be deposited in your heart. It doesn't flow out of the word of God that you just hear or that you listen to. No, no, no. We have to hear it. Which means I'm listening to it with the attitude that I put it number one in my life and whatever it says to do, I'll do. Right? That's where the wisdom flows. So verse 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Your natural man will not receive the things of the Spirit of God. 
because their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Thank God. I might have this nature of spiritual death in my flesh, but I'm alive spiritually, so now I can know. I can spiritually discern, and I could live my life, renew my mind with the word of God, start thinking in line with his word, and tell my body what we're going to do. And my body will never be able to dominate me again. Right? I know I brought Smith Wigglesworth up earlier, but one minister asked Smith, how are you feeling this morning? And he, he responded, he was kind of a rough guy, six foot six, plumber guy, you know, that got saved, preacher. And he's like, I never ask Smith, Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell Smith Wigglesworth how he's going to feel. He would literally minister and literally there'd be, I mean, it was 20 some people medically documented, raised from the dead in his ministry, miracles in every meeting. And he would leave the meeting, go to his uh, room, wherever he was staying. And for seven years would urinate out kidney stones and excruciating pain while he was thanking God that he was healed. He said, he said that, that walking in, in healing in this area now, why did it take seven years? Well, it couldn't have been because of God. You know, this, this seed time and harvest thing, it's really seed and time. I wish, I mean, I, I'm just, Lord Jesus, Matthew, why couldn't Matt, or Mark eleven twenty three 23 say, what things soever you desire, or 24 say, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them within 24 hours. Man, wouldn't that be nice? Because you'd be sitting there going, 23 hours and 58, 59, bam. But he didn't say that, did he? But you know, Smith, got, he, walked in, he walked in healing and health. He said it was one of the greatest things to know God as his healer. See, we are not to be moved by our circumstances. We are to move our circumstances. So renewing your mind, it's in the presence of God. You've heard me say this how many times? It's in God's presence that he will reveal to you his will for your life and his way of doing things. It's in his presence. Talking about his will, Ephesians 5.17 literally says this. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God wants you to know his will in every area of your life. And see, Jesus said, my doctrine, my teaching, it is, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. The Bible says the way of the transgressor who's trying to do his own thing, that's what's hard. The walk of faith is a rest. So as we said before, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the mature coming of age, sons of God. Verse 16, the, how, how are we led? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children or the sons of God. The Holy Spirit will lead you by your spirit. He enlightens your spirit to guide you right? This is how it works. Now here's another big part of renewing your mind. John chapter 15, verse seven. 
This is huge. You know this scripture. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. In other words, it is in the presence of God, united with him in intimate fellowship, that he'll reveal his will and show you his ways. We unite together with him. See, whenever I'm not united with him in fellowship, if I ever, now my relationship never breaks. If I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. But the minute I go my own way, and I break fellowship with him, guess what? Fear is always entering in. Fear will always be there. Fear will always try to connect you to what the enemy will do to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. But you don't ever have to do that. We don't ever have to break fellowship. This is why 1 John 1, 9 is so important. It has nothing to do with relationship. But God says literally, You confess your sins, sinful and unrighteous behavior. And he says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of the sins that you confess and cleanse you of all the unrighteousness. It doesn't doesn't change my nature, but it literally keeps me in fellowship. I'm telling you, this teaching of grace is phenomenal, but stay away from the peace where you think you're not going to confess your sins before God. If you study it hermeneutically, it's ridiculous. I'm so grateful to hear that there's a major minister that's preached this that's starting to turn because he's around good people that are, that are talking to him, starting to see some things. Literally, if you look at 1 John, it all came from this person that says, well, this was not written to Christians, even though John said, if we, always we, if we confess our sins. In the Greek language, if you studied the language, it's, it literally reads like this, if we continually confess our sins, continually. In other words, this is something that we need to do continually. But people will say, well, no, that'll get you into a sin consciousness. No, it won't. What causes me to be sensitive when I miss it is the fact that I have a righteousness consciousness. I understand that my spirit man can't even sin. Paul said that two times in one chapter in Romans. But what happens when I I do sinful or unrighteous behavior? I've just allowed my flesh to connect with my unrenewed mind and I'm doing a behavior that's not right. And we stumble over this stuff. If if we never confess our sins, what about James chapter 5? If any of you among you are sick, among you, James writes to the church at Jerusalem. Let him call for the elders of the church Let them anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. Time out. Wait a minute. Why are we talking about sins? I thought they were all, we don't have to deal with that anymore. See, we're talking about maintaining sensitivity 
So we, we literally, we have to abide in him. Let his words abide in us. God is looking for me to unite with him in fellowship. Now as we go with this, let me kind of close this down a little bit. Broken fellowship brings fear into your life and it cuts us off from knowing and understanding God's will for our life. See, the beginning of knowing God's will for your life is when you unite with him in fellowship and what else? And you submit to his written word. If God's word says it, I do it. If somebody hurts me or has hurt me, or if I face somebody who's not being nice to me, maybe even really, really, I mean, I talked to a pastor that one minister, a big name minister moved into his town in Florida and started a church because the Lord told him to. And literally the first Sunday that, that started his church, the first Sunday, everyone not, not some, everyone in this man's church left and went to this other church. So his income went from this to maintain to zero. And I talked to him. And he said, man, he goes, I was so angry because I had had that minister in my church numerous times. And I was so angry at him. But then the Lord started dealing with him. Are you the head of the church or am I head of the head of the church? Who are you to say I didn't tell him to start a church here? Does him starting a church here have anything to do with the call of God on your life? And man, it was hard. But he had to literally just go, no, Lord. Whether his motives were right or whether his motives were wrong, and he found out later his motives, the minister who started the church, his motives were totally right on. And the minute he made the change, things started happening. And today, he's got a flourishing church. The Lord asked them, did, did him starting a church in the same town change my plan for your life? No. Was that easy? No. Have you ever been through something hard? But see, here's the thing. If you don't go through it with the word, you might never go through it. So we submit to the word of God. God's direction comes as we submit to his written word while we're united with him in fellowship. Right? Because see, here's the thing. If I can't submit to the written word, he can't even talk to me about his revealed word for my life. Because I'm, I'm not doing this. See, God is not interested in you having partial success. He wants you to go all the way. All the way. Amen? Well, praise God. I think we've done enough for tonight. God is good. He wants you to renew your mind. I would encourage you, go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It'll really lay out Maybe we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk more about it. We'll see how the Lord leads us. But, but to renew your mind, what do you got to do? Man, you got to present your body a living, holy sacrifice. 
And it's a living sacrifice. Paul, as a Pharisee, was talking about a living sacrifice. He knew everything. He could quote the whole Old Testament. There was no living sacrifices in the Old Testament. But we're living sacrifices, right? How you know that is when you, when you throw your body on that altar, your body doesn't like it. It tries to climb off, doesn't it, right? But it's so worth it because your life is transformed as you change the way you think and come in line with the word of God. All of a sudden, you start, stop judging others and, and you work out your own salvation. All of a sudden, you take off this responsibility you have for leading the whole body of Christ back into alignment in a, in a region. And you realize, no, 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 no. I'm just going to keep my eyes on Jesus and he'll show me my path. And I'll walk it out and I'll be effective in ministry. Guys, our nation is in major crisis. And if you look at that, you're going to get really probably concerned, scared. I would encourage you, because compared to what we're seeing in the natural, it is very serious. But do we walk by faith? Because if we do, we compare that to who God is. And I'm sorry, what the enemy's doing in our country is nothing compared to what God can do in our country. And he wants to. So let's just, let's keep our eye on the ball in our own personal lives. Keep our eye on the ball, which is Jesus, corporately as a church. Right? And let's believe God. Let's shut the enemy down. Let's, let's literally take the word of God and walk in the victory that the word of God has already given us. Amen?